Well, God bless you guys. Good morning. Welcome to Swerve Church. So glad you guys decided to come and spend some time with us this morning. And we're about to jump into God's Word. I hope you guys are ready. You guys ready for that? All right, we've been preaching through the book of Ephesians. It's been great so far. Um, it's been no easy task, of course, right? We've been going, inching through it little by little. But man, there's just so much richness that's been coming out of this book. Real quick before I dive in. In the back, guys, you probably noticed in the back towards my right, there's the Operation Christmas Child boxes. And uh, I promised you that last week, and I remembered to bring it this week. So real quick, Operation Christmas Child is just our kind of global mission focus. And we, uh, we fill a box full of toys. We give it to a child. They ship it with our missions partner, Samaritan's Purse, and they ship it halfway around the world. And they're able to bless a child somewhere in a very needy part of the world. And so as a church, we get together and we do it every year. You have a few weeks to do that. It's not due till somewhere around the middle of November, but I wanted to get you guys the box early, all right? So if you don't get a chance to do it, it's not my fault. It's yours, okay? So you can grab the box later and you can start thinking about, hey, am I going to give it to a little boy, a little girl, and start thinking about that, okay? All right, so let's, let's jump right in. We're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 to 16. Let me encourage you guys, the message notes are there. You can follow along. The verses are there as well. And that's just so that you can, uh, you know, keep focused and follow along with what we're talking about um, today. There's also a pen, and you guys notice there's some fill in the blanks. But as we go about talking about those, you can fill in the blank as well. I want you guys to think about something for a moment, okay? Think about this. Can you think to a time when you went to a place or a party or some kind of social gathering of some sort, and you felt completely out of place? Maybe you were the new person that just walked in, or it's the first time that you got there. Or maybe, uh, maybe you can think back to like your first day of school. You guys remember that? I have vivid memories of like my first day of high school and middle school. And you go in, it's a brand new building, you don't know anybody. Or maybe your first day at a new job. Right? You're the new kid on the block, and you walk in, you don't really know any, you don't know where the copier is, you, you kind of don't know, you know who's who as you go in. You guys remember, you probably felt like alone, maybe you felt isolated, Maybe you even felt ignored. One of the things that make us feel like that is that people tend to gravitate to forming huddles. Did you guys ever notice that? People tend to gravitate toward forming cliques. Maybe you've heard of that. Cliques. How about, have you guys ever heard of this show called Survivor? It's a reality TV show that comes up on TV. It's very popular and it's basically a show where a group of, they drop off a group of strangers in the middle of, of nowhere, in the middle of a jungle or in an island somewhere, and they have to survive. And the point of the game is to out-survive the rest of the people by winning a series of challenges. You guys might have seen the show. But what's interesting is that even though they're complete strangers, people still begin to form relationships and create alliances so that they can help each other and kind of form a team. Some could be a part of it, others cannot. So even stranded in the middle of the jungle, in the middle of nowhere, people still form cliques. Isn't that interesting? Some can be a part of it, others, no way. We don't want you to be a part of this group. And we live in such a divided world, don't we? We're divided racially. We're divided socioeconomically. We're divided politically. And probably in about another million ways that you can probably list out to me right now. And it seems like every day we read or we see on the news something about another racially charged attack. Or another abuse of authority. Doesn't it seem like it's every single day you see something like that? And honestly, we see it here in our community. And also in neighborhoods like Bushwick all over New York City. There's these very clear lines that spoken or unspoken, you better not cross that line. 
Right? You, you better not cross that line. There's a very clear divide. And it's so sad. That's the world that we live in today. And I think it's very, very natural for us as humans to do this, to kind of form these huddles and cliques. We tend to gravitate towards those that we can relate to the most. We don't tend to congregate with those that are different than us. Do you guys ever notice that? Think about it in your own personal lives. We tend to really you know, connect with those that we relate to the most and we tend to hang out with those more. And if we're not careful, even in the church, we can too drift into forming cliques. We too can drift to forming groups and alliances that welcome some and shun others. You, know, you don't look like me, you look different, and so we shun them. Maybe you've been to a church like that, where you, from the moment you entered in, you, know, you felt like you were judged and, and rejected and, and, and nobody spoke to you. Maybe you felt like that. And if we're not careful, we too can become like that. But I pray that we would never ever be that way. I pray that we would always reflect the gospel and be welcoming of all. I pray that, that especially in a neighborhood like Bushwick, and Bushwick is so diverse, Bushwick is so colorful. In a neighborhood like ours, we want to be a church with a welcoming posture that reflects the community that we are in. And as I mentioned last week, the gospel has some very real implications to how we live, even when it comes to these divides in society. The gospel compels me to love others that don't look like me. The gospel compels me to do that. The gospel compels me to love those that are in a different tax bracket than me. The gospel compels me to love those that vote differently than me. And this is what I love about the gospel. It is the single most unifying force. No other thing can break barriers like the gospel can. And in today's passage, Paul is going to speak specifically toward the ethnicity of the Ephesians. We've been in this new series. We're reading this book of Ephesians in the New Testament. And this book is actually a letter, right? Paul wrote this letter to these believers in the city of Ephesus. And the Ephesians there were Gentiles. Now for the Jews, for the Jewish, there was one of two categories. You were either categorized as Jew or Gentile. And if you weren't a Jew, you were a Gentile. And you fell into one of those two categories. And just as today, as we're living in some racially charged times, the same was true for the believers in Ephesus. And in addition to the division of race, Paul is going to categorize everyone into two other categories. Not just Jew and Gentile. He's going to say that you're either in Christ or you're not. Then he'll explain that ultimately... When we are in Christ, we are no longer divided by the labels of society, but we are one in Christ. So that's kind of where we're going, okay? You're either Jew or Gentile. Paul's going to say, no, no, you're either in Christ or not, and Christ brings everyone together. All right, you guys ready to dig in? Let's look at the first two verses. In your bulletins, in, in the notes, I put the whole passage there. So we're going to read the first two verses, 11 and 12. It says this. So then remember that at one time... You were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised, which is done in the flesh by human hands. Uh, so real quick, he's identifying the two types here. You're either Jew or Gentile, and this is the way they distinguish. They call them the uncircumcised by those that were the circumcised. And basically, without getting too much into detail, this was a procedure that the Jews would do that would separate themselves. In fact, it was a law, a command given by God in the Old Testament. So this is how they were divided. Verse 12. At that time, you were without Christ. 
excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise. You were without hope and without God in the world. Did you guys catch that? Did you, can you pay close attention to all those things that we were without Christ? Paul kind of lists them out. See if you can find them and underline them right there in your notes in verse 12. He, he kind of lists off these things. He says, you were without Christ. He says, you were excluded from the family of God. So obviously, to be without Christ is to have no access to Christ, to know who He is, to make Him Lord and Savior, to be excluded from the family of God. He said that you, they were excluded from the citizenship of Israel, right? Which, which meant they weren't part of God's family. Israel was God's chosen people. And if they were excluded from the citizenship of Israel, then they were excluded from the family of God. He said that they were strangers to God's promises. Well, if you're not part of God's family, then guess what? You don't know God's promises and you have no part in it. And they were without hope. Because if you're without Christ, you're without hope. There is no hope. And you were without God. So by the way, the same is true for us. Before surrendering our lives to the Lordship of Jesus, we found ourselves in that very same condition. Apart from Christ, we too are excluded from the family of God. Apart from Christ, we too are strangers to God's promises. Apart from Christ, we are without hope and without God. But to add to all of this, bad news here for the Gentiles, you also had the race card to deal with because they were Gentiles. And Gentiles, they were excluded from entering the houses of worship. They were oftentimes looked down upon and despised because of their race. And so they were not only excluded from the family of God spiritually, they couldn't even worship God, but they were also excluded in a very real sense physically because of their race. But now Paul is about to introduce the only person who could change the entire situation. Because of Jesus, everything will change. Instead of being excluded, the Gentiles will be included into the family of God. Instead of strangers, they will become friends. Instead of being without hope, they will be overwhelmed with hope, love, and faith. Instead of being without God, they will be with Him. And here's the big idea that Paul is going to share with us is this. You can write it down in your notes. The big idea is that, but now in Christ, we have been brought near. Here's how Paul says it. Let's jump into the next two verses in today's passage. Verse 13 and 14 says this. But now in Christ, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Did you guys underline that part in your notes? You brought near by the blood of Christ. Verse 14. For he is our peace. Jesus is our peace. Circle the word peace right there in your notes. Who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. And would you guys just underline the last part of that passage there? Tore down the dividing wall of hostility. Here's what the gospel of Jesus Christ does. It draws you near. It draws you close to God. Where at one point you were far away and you were alienated from God, now through Jesus, you are brought near. Can you guys imagine how sweet this must have sounded to the ears of the Gentiles when they were alienated, when they were excluded, when they were strangers, when they were without hope. But now, in Christ, they are brought near. Guys, 
The same is true for you and I. Because we too were apart, apart from Christ, we found ourselves in this very same condition. Our sin nature kept us from God. Our sin created a chasm between us and God because God couldn't look on us with the sin and, and a holy and perfect God couldn't look at us with sin. We too were strangers. We too were excluded. We too were alienated. And we were without hope. But because of the blood of Christ, we are brought near. And that's what Paul says that has brought us near to God. So I asked you guys uh, to underline it there in your notes. He says that we were brought near by the blood of Christ. What does that mean? Well, he's referring to the one and only perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. You see, the Bible says that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and that punishment for our sin is death. But Jesus stood in death's path for our sake. There was a ransom on you for your sin, and it was your life. Jesus paid our ransom. He picked up the ticket. Not only did he die in our place, but he rose from the grave. So that now we can experience forgiveness of our sin and newness of life. Because of Jesus, we are brought near. But Paul goes on to explain that because of the precious blood of Jesus poured out for us, we can also experience peace. And that's why I asked you guys to circle that word, then that verse, because of this. And in your notes, Jesus is our peace. Jesus is our peace. Now, what peace is Paul talking about? Well, specific to this passage, Paul is talking about the peace between Jew and Gentile. In other words, the reconciling of race. He says that both groups experience the peace of Jesus and become one. The gospel literally makes peace and reconciles even across racial barriers. How amazing is it to know this? That as we look at the news and as we read the articles and we experience the tension right here in our own community and the one thing that can reconcile racial differences is the gospel. <laughs> it's Jesus' perfect work on the cross. It's His life. It's His death. It's His resurrection that grants us this peace. Think about this for a second, okay? Apart from Jesus and his unifying work on the cross, what other reason do we have to reconcile the differences between each other? Why not just stay within one people group? Why not just stick to one socioeconomic class? It's what feels most natural to us. But Jesus is the great equalizer. Because whether you're white, black, Hispanic, or, or, or Asian, or whatever, before God, we're all one thing. We are sinners. And with Jesus standing before us, we're all one thing, forgiven. So as followers of Jesus, we have the greatest reason for diversity. We have the greatest tolerance for diversity. Why? Because Jesus is our peace. And that peace does not only bring peace between us and God. It does do that. It grants us forgiveness to God. It grants us peace between us and God, but it also brings peace between me and those that are different than me. And this is why as a church, I truly hope that we can get to a place where we can truly reflect our community more. That we would see the culture and diversity of our neighborhood and that we would be a direct reflection of that diversity. I want to see it so bad here. 
What better place to show the world the reconciliation of races and differences through the local church? What better place than to put the gospel on display than right here? I think people would really begin to believe our gospel if they saw the implications of said gospel lived out more. And I love the language that Paul uses here. Paul says that Jesus tore down the dividing walls of hostility. And so I asked you guys to underline that there in your notes. Because there are so many dividing walls of hostility in our day and age, isn't there? Aren't there so many walls of of hostility? Probably more than we can list. But this is why we need the peace of Jesus. This is why we must share the good news of the gospel. Because it has the power to transform and to reconcile not only individuals, but communities, but neighborhoods, but cities, but whole states, and even a nation. The power of the gospel has the power to reconcile. Look what Paul goes on to say in verse 15. He says this, In his flesh he made of no effect the law consisting of commands. Did you guys just underline that first part of verse 15? He made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulation so that he might create in himself one new man from the two, resulting in peace. You see, in the Old Testament, under the law given to Moses, there were many commands which demanded that the Israelites would separate themselves from other nations and from other people groups. But here, Paul is telling us that Christ has made of no effect those very same commands. In essence, Jesus has abolished those commands and regulations. Why? So that He could create one new man from the two and bring about peace. You see, in Christ, there's no longer Jew or Gentile. The two are made one. And this is why it says this elsewhere in Scripture. In fact, I would love if you guys would read it together with me. It's there in your notes and up here on the screen. Let's read it now nice and loud. Ready? Go. There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. says that in Galatians 3.28, that we are all one in Christ Jesus. So listen, there is no superior race. There is only one that we should view as supreme above all. And and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And when people do not have their eyes focus on the one that deserves all the praise and all the glory and all the honor, then they will begin to think and say stupid things like that their race or their nationality or their color is superior to another's. And this is why we end up with the fights and the hate and the bigotry that we see on the news and and on our Facebook feeds every day. Because if you don't worship Jesus as God, then the chances are that you will begin to see yourself as a God. And then you're going to elevate yourself to Savior and you'll elevate your own ideas and your own biases above everyone else. But when you submit yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, then you see yourself as you truly are, a sinner in desperate need of a Savior. You look into the mirror and you realize that you're utterly hopeless and helpless. But then you put all your faith, you put all your trust in the work of Jesus. And Jesus, guys, is mighty to save. And Jesus elevates you. He gives you dignity. Jesus gives you self-worth. And He makes you righteous before God. And now whether you're black, white, Hispanic, or what have you, 
We all stand under the banner of redeem. And as a result, there's a coming together. In fact, would you guys like a picture of heaven? Do you guys want to know what heaven's going to look like? Because heaven is the racist person's version of hell. Look at what Revelation says in uh, Revelation 7-9. Revelations was written by the Apostle John. He was, he was uh, exiled to the island, an island called Patmos. And while he was there, he received a vision from Jesus. And in this vision, he got an idea of, of the end times and what heaven's going to look like. Look at what he writes in Revelation 7-9. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. Did you guys catch that? What a picture of heaven. Every nation, every tribe, every people, every tongue, everyone worshiping at the feet of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Paul concludes by saying this in today's passage, verse 16. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. Jesus put this hostility, the division between Jew and Gentile, he put it to death. Through Jesus, both Jew and Gentile has been formed into one body through the cross. Now, as a church, what does that mean for us? I'll tell you. My heart for us as a church is that we would bring a piece of heaven, a piece of that picture of revelations. I wish we can like pick it and bring it down to earth. I want to bring a piece of heaven here to earth. If it's Jesus' heart to see all reconciled to God and His cross is the glue that binds us all, then I want to see it here. I want to see it now. We live in one of the most diverse cities on the planet. And if the gospel is true, if it's true, and if it truly is powerful, then we need to see it explode into our lives and through our lives. My heart is to see all come together under the banner of Jesus. Because through Him, we are all one body through the cross. We are one. And if that's God's heart, then I want to see it here. I want to see it happen. I want to see it happen here. Now, if you're here today, we spoke about the work of Jesus on the cross. And if you haven't made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior, then I want to invite you to take an opportunity to make that decision today. Because it's the most important decision that you could ever make in your life is to make Jesus Christ Lord and Savior. The Bible says that we were dead in our sin and trespasses, but God made a way for us through Jesus. And if we put our faith in His perfect work, because Jesus lived the life we couldn't live, He died the death that you and I deserve on the cross, He rose from the grave, conquering Satan, sin, and death. And the Bible says that if you believe in your heart, and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that. When you guys came in, you should have received that connection card. Can everybody just take out the connection card right now? I'll fill out the information on the front. I want to I want to point your attention to the back. On the back, there's some next steps for all of us to take. Everybody can take one of those steps, and that is to read Ephesians 2. We're wrapping up 
chapter 2 next week. All right, we're done with chapter 2 next week. And we're going to continue talking about this topic of the reconciliation of races through the gospel of Jesus Christ. But if you, ha- if you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus and you want to do that today, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to tell you to come up to the front. But you just check that box off right there in your notes. Because we want to follow up with you. We want to put a Bible in your hands. And we want to invite you into family and hold you accountable and help you take your next step in faith. So if you haven't made that decision yet, would you please mark that off right now and make that decision today. Would you guys join me in praying? God, I thank you for the perfect work of Jesus on the cross. That at one point we were excluded. We were alienated. We were separated from you. But through Jesus, we have been brought near. And God, because we've experienced the great overwhelming love of Jesus Christ, we can share that same love with those, even those that are different than us. And God, even as we read that picture of heaven in the book of Revelation, every tongue, every tribe, every nationality, together worshiping at the feet of Jesus, God, I want to see that in my day and age. I want to see it now. And so, God, would you create in us and develop within us a great love by the power of the gospel, to share the gospel, Lord, with those that are in our community. Because ultimately, God, the only thing that can break down the dividing walls of hostility is Jesus. And so, God, we pray that we would see that in our time. Thank you, God, for this word. And help us, God, to live it out daily. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.